What's going on, good people? Welcome to the newest episode of the Paul Rivera Podcast. I have, I'm really excited about this episode, man. I know I say that damn near every episode, but it's because, you know, the dopest thing this pod has afforded me is having my friends on that I'm like genuinely like a fan of and I get to learn. And, and um, well, without further ado, I'll introduce them. Anthony Saleh. I'm not even, I'm going to actually ask you and to like, I didn't want to disrespect you and call you a manager. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, well, first when of people all, ask you, what do you do? Like, what? how do you even encompass all the shit you do, which we're going to get into? Yeah, I mean, honestly, first off, we have to take a step back and, and talk about the real reason you're excited I'm a guest. Talk it's because me. I publicly begged him <laughs> <laughs> to interview me for his podcast. So he's <laughs> public on Twitter. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so no, how do you like when people ask you what you do right you're in a, you're on the west coast like that's, that's a normal thing everyone asks like because you do so much and we're going to get into most of it it's like how do you even describe what you do in a nutshell um i tell i tell folks um that um i have a very um i don't really describe it as a job i describe it more as you know i am an entrepreneur who spends mm-hmm a lot of time in music in many different ways and spends a lot of time in investing in, in different ways and how, and I, and I love to, I love to speak about them both in, in parallel because the bridge, there is a fine sturdy bridge in between both worlds that I continue to walk across on a daily basis because that, you know, they all work hand in hand as far as I'm concerned, or at least in my life. Got it. Got it. It makes sense. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I had asked my producer JT, um, to reach out because when I was, I was doing the last episode with Josh Pyatt, a friend of both of ours, who we both respect and, um, who's a great guy. And I was like, you know what, like reach out to Josh Pyatt's team and ask him like, what like title he goes by. I want to make sure I introduce him. Like, you know, like not just an agent, like, you know, and and then his team comes back and they're like, yeah, he's like co-head of WME sports. I'm like, Okay, I'm glad I didn't disrespect him and just call him an agent. Yeah. The challenge, I have, right? I'm glad. Well, and agents are great, you know, disrespect to them. But the challenge I have, I'm like, these are just my homies I'm talking to. So I'm like, Ant's Ant, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, you know what? Reach out to Ant's people and let's let's make sure, you know, we we make sure we set them up properly. And then just seeing all the stuff you've been into and been doing, it's like the funny thing is when he sent me the list that your office sent over, he was, I was like, well, thank God we asked. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it, it's not true. You know, it's funny because I remember the early part of my career, right? When I was, you know, I always like led with uh, curiosity, right? It wasn't necessarily like, oh man, how do I become a billionaire or a millionaire, a hundred, hundred millionaire? It was more like, like, what do I, what like am I interested in? Uh, what do I think will help? Like my whole thing growing up, right, was all about like getting in early, putting my head down, working really hard and being able to at 40, 45 years old, be like, you know what? I want to do things a little different now. Like I want to like worry about quality of life. You know, I don't want to have to be a killer my whole life. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. that in a business term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at some point I just, you know, want to chill. And like, and, and that's, oh, I always operated from that stance. And, and that's kind of always like kind of led me through my career. And in a lot of ways helped me start early 
and um and pushed me to be very curious about different things. So um, it's so it's so interesting you say that because I feel like and it's gonna bug you out that literally two hours ago I had this conversation with my 15 year old son Jordan, and who doesn't listen to the show, so I won't shout him out anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, and I was he was asking me he's like Dad you know when I start looking at schools should I look at finance or should I look at marketing? And I'm like, well, I'm happy you're asking. I'm like, but let me ask you, like, what are you passionate about? Like, that yeah. should be what guides your decision. And then we can get you well-rounded with like the other, you know, the, the intel and the information and the education you need. And I was explaining to him, I said, you know what? My dad, his granddad, your dad, that generation, they went into like the way they thought about school or whatnot, for the most, obviously we're generalizing is, what's going to make me money to put food on the table for my family and what's going to pay the rent and put a roof over our head. Right. And I feel I'm older than you at, but I feel like my generation was probably the first generation that was like, what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? And I could find a way to make money and a living out of it. And I feel like generations that are coming after us are all now coming to the world, hopefully looking at it like, you know, what am I interested about? What am I passionate about? And I can make a living and do a, a very great living. Do you feel that? Do you feel like there's been that shift generationally of people going first? I, 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 actually, I, I actually don't think it's generational. I think it's race driven. I think mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago, people like us, it wasn't easy to become a millionaire or a billionaire. And like now, like, like you know, like they're new black Latino, like millionaires every day that are being created. I think the opportunity opportunity realized itself and that gave us a lot more power. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's funny because I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. Like we were talking about like what the problem with politics is. And the thing that we both said was it's because all the most talented people don't want to be in politics. They want to go start careers. They want to go start jobs. Wow. And that goes for every, every, and that's every, that's every, you know, gender, age, grade, everyone, right? And it's like the smartest people want to start companies, want to become entrepreneurs. And I think the opportunity has afforded us this, like this, the options to want to do certain things and whatnot. Um, not so much it's like our, our mind has shifted. I think our, it's more so like, it's it, the way we think has changed, but I think it's a mechanism of more opportunity. I love that. Yo, I was, <laughs> I was thinking through like, you know, I wanted to ask you at first, like, because your skill set and your expertise is so well-rounded or like just, you know, your expertise and your standing and the value you add in, in the culture, right? Which is one of the most overused words, but the culture and like, we'll get into that just, and then you have like just an expertise and value you add like in the investment world. And I was like, man, I wonder what like, what the foundation for that was like, like a young ant, was he into like sport? Was he into tech? What was he into? And I, then it led me to a funny thought. So I want you to answer that, but it led me to a funny thought that for those people that are listening that may not know Ant, Ant is the number one fan of two teams. He's the number one fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. That's that's undebatable, number one fan, right? And he's the number one fan of anyone playing the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. <laughs> so the Lakers and whoever's playing the Clippers, Ant's all for them, hook a crook. So my whole family, my whole life, thought I was going to be in sports because the way I studied the game, I, like, I was always like, I played uh, um, different sports growing up. 
I always like tried to like help with coaching. Um, um, and I was always like, I a friend of mine used to coach um, uh, football in high school and I would always sit there and come up with different schemes and plays. And I just used to watch, I, would, I, would, I was the guy who used to TiVo games and watch them. And funny enough, uh, one of my very close uh, friends and also I consider him a, a mentor in a lot of ways, uh, Ben Horowitz from Andreessen Horowitz. He would always like him and I, everyone's like, man, you and Ben, man, you guys must sit there and just talk about changing the world. I'm like, all we do is talk about the Raiders, boxing, the basketball. <laughs> we are, we either argue, agree, disagree. He calls me out on my shit. I call him out on his shit. And like, he even told me like, man, I can't believe you never ended up in sports. And um, that's like, it, it, it drove me in a lot of ways. But I'm gonna tell you something, bro. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my journey because sports, like, it's funny. I, I used to go to this, uh, me, Mav, Rich, we used to all go to this gym together called Studio. And me and my boy used to always say to each other, you can always tell who never played sports by the way they listen to their trainer. Like, give me 10 push-ups, And they're like, all right, I'ma just kind of like, and then like you got these other guys who are like, yes, sir. One, two, three. <laughs> and it's, like, it's the discipline. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the camaraderie. It's the sacrifice for the greater good of the team. There's so many life lessons in sports. And I think like those life lessons really set me up to, to be able to be like, you know, to, to figure out how to be good at different things. Um, mm. And um, I credit like, I credit that a lot, but yes, I, I hate, Honestly, bro, the Nets, man, the Nets and Clippers now, they're both on that same, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now it's like, like tonight, like tonight, right? I'm the number one Cleveland cap. Colin Sexton is my favorite player in the NBA. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so let's get into the journey a little bit, I, I, you know, and we'll jump around just because, you know, you're into so many things and I'm, I'm genuinely interested in, in just getting to get your, um, you know, what you did, but also just your thought process on, you know, the, some of the decisions and choices and directions you've gone. I want to talk a little bit about the Adam Factory, you know, um, your role mm -hmm. there, what you did there, and kind of just what that meant to your career journey. Man, that was a, a big moment for me because um, Troy Carter, like, I was about to do, I was really young. I had, like, a pretty good management business, and I was about to do, like, a sellout move cause I didn't know what I was doing really. And Troy was like, fuck that. Yeah, like, you wanna be an entrepreneur, come fuck with me. And he had like a this small office in Santa Monica and like no assistant. And I was like, and you know, and Ga Lady Gaga was like just breaking. And I was yeah. sitting there like, man, like this is incredible. This is nothing but opportunity. So, you know, I kind of just focused on really supporting Troy on building the business and being like, the number two guy who shows up to places and people feel like, oh, if Anthony's here, then cool, Troy doesn't have to be here. Mm. And um, and it taught me a lot because I got to, you know, Troy's a guy who's like, he saw so many ups and downs in his career. So he was able to give me like, I mean, he's a guy who fought for where he got to. So he was able to give me so many gems in that way. But the other thing was I was so independent and he was just so like, I'm busy, you know what you're doing. So you need to just figure it out that it really like, you know, I, I really like led the team and helped with the hiring and the, you know, the firing and, and that, I mean, at 23, 22, 23 years old, it was like wow. an incredible, like um, moment of time for me. 
And um, he's also like a lot of the reasons why I started investing in tech because we would talk about like all these opportunities or we would talk about how much, how rich um, uh, entrepreneurs were getting utilizing the culture that we've created or the celebrity that we've created. And that, there was an imbalance in that relationship. And he was the first person to really push me to start thinking that way. And I mean, the minute he st- I'd started, I couldn't stop. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I got really, really deep into it after that. So that's been a, it's a hell of a time in my career. You said something that like really resonated with me. Um, I feel like you talked about being number two, right? Being number two to Troy or whatnot and your role in there and, and, and realizing the opportunity within that, right? I feel like at times like young professionals and people coming up get caught up in like, wanting to be like the guy or the person or the number one. And it's something to me, it's like, even with Mav, right? Like when I partnered with Mav, it was like, and Mav's younger than me. I'm like, I can learn from this guy. He can put me in rooms that I can't get into. And it's like, and then to your point with Troy, Mav's like, oh, you got it, go. Like, you don't need me for nothing, like go. Like you're empowered to go and make decisions and hire and fire and, and you add your own value. And talk a little bit about the mindset of like, how important it is not to get caught up in the bullshit of like, who's leading, who the boss is and all of that stuff. And just like playing a role in the value you can add, not only for the crew or the team, but for yourself and your career. Yeah, my mom used to always tell me growing up, like you can accomplish anything in the world if you don't care who gets the credit. And that was always like how I live by. And then again, you, you go back to sports, like contributing to winning is an incredible feeling. Like, like who the hell wants to win alone? That's why I just like, when I look at like, even like, you know, uh, athletes and singles and, and, and uh, individual sports versus team sports, like you win the grand slam, you look up, you cry to yourself, you shake your opponent's hand. It's like, uh, but you win the Super Bowl and you're like hugging your teammates. Like, yo, we did it. Like, this is, we fought for this. Like we did this together and like goes back to the principle, one, one foundational principle I live by which always kind of keeps me focused, which is human connection is truly the only thing that matters on this planet. You remove that, everything dies, everything. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how anything, any of that. So like, to me, I always looked at winning on, being on a winning team was way cooler than, um, than being on your own. That's number one. Number two, I grew up in a huge family. My mom is one of, uh, uh, 17. Um, and I'm one of like, um, we're right around 50, 51 grandkids on my mom's side. And so like summers, there were eight people sleeping on the floor, right? It was like cereal every, like we ate the same thing every day. Like we had, (laughs) it was like almost like camp, right? I would get shipped off to my aunt's house and be, you know, I lived in a two bedroom apartment in the hood in LA with three of my mom's brothers and sisters in there, we was on the bunk bed. Like it was like, it was, oh, I never, it was always about being around people. And, mm. um, and so like, I just personally always preferred, like, you know, it's funny, Steve Stout told me one time, cause I asked him this and, 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 and it, it taught me a, a super valuable lesson. And I asked him, I said, yo, what makes Nas so special? Like, why do you consider Nas a friend? You've been cool with all these artists, but you always somehow come back to Nas. And he said, like, Nas has this skill where, like, he wants to trust people. He wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. He wants mm. to lead with, I'm going to give you a shot. 
and or I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a try. And when I heard that from Stout, I was like, yo, like real this is actually the thing. And it's and I I've I've really taken that on and made that my own. So when I meet a young person, I'm like, let's do it. You're my partner. Like I don't even care if you're 10 years older than me, have never younger than me, have never done it. We're partners now. Um, and and just buy into folks who could contribute. And I've always been very secure with myself because like I have my friends, I have my family. I didn't acquire them because of the money I may have made or the stature that I have. These are people who are with me no matter what. Like mm -hmm. even like even as much as like rich and mad and like those guys like they're my friends no matter what. So I don't really care if I have the hot thing going on or don't, you know? And so when those things start to like, like when you start to feel it that way, you don't really care about being the guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also mm -hmm. like the proof is in the work, right? You show up every day, you kill it, you contribute. The people around you are gonna always make you feel like you're the guy. And, sure. um, and so I, I always lead, I always lead with, being inclusive, being, being that way and just wanting for everybody to contribute. And, and I, and I, I'm very good at taking a step back um, and allowing folks to shine or being the second or third guy. That stuff doesn't matter to me, to be honest, the money matters way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. As long as we all eat and we good. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Check clears. I don't give a shit. You did it. Not me. I don't care. Yeah. You know, what's super interesting. And I was, I literally was having this conversation earlier today and I was telling someone, there are two people in our world, there are two types of people. There's the combination lock and there's the key lock. Yeah. You're the combination lock. You're the type that I say, hey, Ant-Man, can you connect me with this guy who whatever? And you're like, yeah, no problem, I got you. Hey, yo, this is my man PR, he's fam. Y'all do your thing, let me know if I can help you. No problem, because you know that you introducing someone to connect doesn't take any of your light away you're dope and you're a killer in your own right. You feel confident in your skill set and the value you add, right? Those are combination locks. They have no problem giving you the combination. Then there's people that have the key. Their only value is having the key. Yep. So they're the people that say, no, 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 no. You tell me what you want to tell Ant and I'll go tell him for you. You know, and I think the people that are the combination lock, the Rich Pauls, the Randy Mims, the Future the Princes, you know, those guys, they're just good people and secure in their skill set. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. What do you need? You know, do you feel that's been a big key like in your career as you've come up and just the relationships? Like I always say, we're all in the relationship business. Have you felt that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's a part of, you know, the thing for me is I always tell people this because I feel like there's always those like weird interactions where like someone, look, here's the deal. We are not mentally programmed to know the amount of people we know. Right, like how many people we follow on Instagram? How can you keep up with this many people? So like, I always tell folks who like, I consider friends who when I, I would grab dinner with or hang out with, spend personal time with, like, you know, but even if not, and we don't talk all the time, but I know you and we, we, we were in the same world. I don't need much. I, you don't even have to say hi. Just tell me what you want. If mm -hmm. I can do it, I'll do it. Like, that's always been my, my thing. If I can, like, everyone makes fun of me for always, like, wishing people happy birthdays on Instagram. And I'm like, why? It takes two seconds and every, it makes somebody <laughs> feel good. Like, there's no sweat off my back. So y'all mad because I'm taking five seconds out of my day to, so it's like, 
I'm, it's all about, I, I always feel like paying it forward is the most important thing. And like, and, and connecting folks and that's part of, like you said, it's part of who we are. It's part of our, it's part of the way we communicate. Um, and to be real, like, I take it as a badge of honor. I feel good connecting people. Like mm-hmm. I've never in my life, in my life, the amount of times I've connected artists to other artists, artists for shows, tours, deals, um, getting other people inside of tech companies. I've gotten, I've, I've made people very rich and, and I've never asked for a thing. The only people that pay me are my clients. I've mm-hmm. never in my career taken a penny as a consultant. Oh, let me middle this deal for you. I just put them together and like, let y'all deal with that. Cause that's not, that's not the business I'm in. My currency is my Rolodex. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not like the, the, the transactions from the people I connect. It's funny. I just had a meeting probably a month ago with a young athlete, um, a young boxer. I'll say young boxer and, and. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah, you already know. Big fan, big fan. <laughs> I had a meeting with him and I met with him and his team. And um, I was like, hey, I spent the first mi- five minutes explaining what I wasn't. I'm not trying to manage any, I'm not trying to do any of this thing. I'm just trying to, if I can help you, I'm here to help you. And by the way, I don't want anything. And they were so kind of mindful, like, like, so what's in it for you? And I was like, just seeing you do good, man. If there's an opportunity for us to make some money down the road, dope. I'm but being able to pass, crazy it, you know, like being able to put you on and help, yeah. that's my currency. Like, I'm gonna tell you some crazy shit. I've never been fired by an artist before. And the reason mm-hmm. is, when I start working with them, I go, cool, handshake, no problem. What are we agreeing to? Pay me on time. We work our way to, you know, down the line, we can, we'll do a contract. And, and literally in my whole career, an artist has never said, you're fired. I don't, I want out. Any of those things have never come out of anyone's mouth. And it's because I, 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 I make it about the work. And I've never once felt like I've been stiffed, that I didn't get what I was supposed to get. Um, so I really believe in that, man. I really believe in like paying it forward, being a connector and betting on yourself. Because honestly, that's the thing that people don't realize. When you're that way, what you're really saying is, I'm gonna bet on me. Mm-hmm. If you try to nickel and dime every single connection, that means you don't believe in you. That means you don't think that you can turn these opportunities into something bigger down the line. And yeah. like, I just don't feel that way. Yeah, and by the way, there's something about like, hey, Ant's gonna be good one way or another. Hopefully this works out and we could do some great things together. But even if it doesn't, Ant's gonna be okay. Yeah. There's a power in that, right? It's like, to your point, you're betting yourself where it's like, I don't gotta like, I don't gotta try to make every dollar at every turn and every advice I give you, I gotta eat off of. It's a very different thing when you're able to be like, hey, do we have similar philosophies, similar passions? All right, let's go get the bag, right? As opposed to you flip that and it's like, it's all about the bag. I can't have another conversation with you without the contract. You know, it's just, it's a very different mindset of doing business, you know? Yeah, 100%. The other thing that's interesting is that I always tell artists, not, not just ones that I've worked with, but even ones that I just like give advice to. You always try to keep people around that want to be there, not that need to be there. Because that need thing, that need thing is like where folks get desperate. And then mm. you end up in deals that you don't wanna be in. And I always tell artists when I'm meeting them, um, like over the years of my career, 
I would say to them like, hey, like working with you, like will not, cause I live a, a very basic lifestyle. Like I don't, and I, and I always tell them like, working with you will not change my life, but I want to <laughs> do it. Like mm. I want to be here. I don't need to be here. I don't need the money that you, you, you generate, but I actually want to do it. And like, you should always work with people who want to do something, not need to do something. Um, mm. Mentality is just different. Yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of art, like when did you get into the artist management game of like, you know, I know you have Imagine, you know, entertainment, like when, when was that um, an official thing where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this full time, make a real run of it. Like what started that? It was really Nas, man. I got introduced to Nas as a young kid. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, man. hold up, man. Nas was your first client that you, that you managed? Kind of, bro. So hold on. Let me tell you like how it like went down. So I was working at this independent talent agency, right? And I had gotten cool with Blue Williams. And Blue Williams, who managed Outkast and a bunch of other acts, he was- Great guy. Not, Blue's a legend. Yeah, very nice guy. He was, um, yeah. they were in the middle of putting out Hip Hop is Dead. And I came to Blue and was like, listen, Nas, I, I, I essentially- he liked me. He just was like, yo, I like this kid. So I came to him with this whole plan of how, cause I told the agency like, hey, I have an in the Nas. I want to pitch an international tour to Nas. Can you guys put it together? Walk me through it and I'll go meet him. Bro, I was like 20, 21 years old. And at the time, <laughs> I, the thing that like got me in the door was when I was working at the agency, Justine Skye's mom, Nova Perry, um, I, I, she cold called the agency and was like, Hey, I have these producers named cool and Dre Dre's trying to be an artist. And the guys at the agency were like, we've never heard of it. I was like, and this is when like, obviously I'm from LA. So they produced hate it or love it. I was like, they produced the greatest song LA has put out in 10 years. I was like, I, I was like, Oh my God, I need to meet them. So I went and met with Nova and she introduced me to Dre and cool. And those guys introduced me to everybody. Chris Lighty, Mona Scott, um, Khaled. I used to sleep on Khaled's, like, when Khaled first started dating Nicole, like, I met her. This was before Khaled ever put out an album. Khaled's been my friend since, like, 2006. And, um, and that's kind of how I built, like, my phone might still be, my name still might be saved in Khaled's phone as Anthony Bookings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, so he, like, so all those guys kind of just allowed me to be around and I wasn't 21 yet. So I used to have to sneak in the club with them. I remember watching Rick Ross for the first time when he, when, when, um, when um, hustling was exploding in New York yeah. and Puff yeah. and Puff was there and Dre from Cool and Dre is like, yo, you better sign them. Like, and I'm just sitting there like watching all these things happen. And then I got connected with Nas and like, he appreciated the fact that I had insight in that world already. Cause I was moving with Dre and Cool. And I went to him and I, I'll never forget, he was in a, a dope ass hotel suite in Chicago. I came in the room, mind you, bro, I like, we sang If I Ruled the World in my fifth grade culmination. So like, <laughs> that just tells you, like, what kind of, but I wasn't nervous. I was like, hey man, like, yo, you're a legend. You're a very famous person, but like, you haven't put in the work and like, you got to do shit to clean up your act. And this is how you do it. And he put me through hell in the beginning, bro. And, uh, but not in like a mean way, more so in a testing way. 
and we got through it. But, hey, let me let me ask you, let me ask you, like, because I think that's super important. It's like, here you are, a young kid. How old are you when you're pitching? When you're pitching now, is this this in Chicago in this hotel room? I was 20. Okay, so you're 20 years old. You grew up on yeah. Nas just like I did, right? Like Esco's a legend. Like there's no, if there's a picture of a legend in the dictionary, it's him. It's Nas. Yo. What what gives you like the where's that most 20-year-olds aren't confident enough to be like, hey, not only are you gonna pitch something, but there's some things you could do better as well. Like, where's that come from? Yo, it's so funny. It's so funny you ask me that question. Everyone used to always ask me that, like, how do you just I don't know, man, ever since I grew up, I, I, ever since I was like, like younger, I was always like the leader of the pack. I just, I don't know what it was, what created that in me, but like, I used to like, my, I have family that lives in Toronto and I used to go to Toronto every summer. Like after like being there for like a month, I was like 10, 11 years old, like in the, in the neighborhoods, like, what's up, what's up? What we doing, what's going on? Like everyone knew who I was. My cousins are like, damn, I don't even know these people. Like, it was just always in my nature. And I think just because I came from a big family, I just love being around people. I was never discouraged by things. And I was always like, it was like a very honest um, environment. So I was always able to like be very like expressive. But I was like, I never got into no trouble either. So I never, it was, so it was always cool. So when I like, when I first started getting into this thing, maybe I was just, Naive, naive enough to not be like freaking out about it. When I met with Nas, I was like, oh shit, that's Nas. Like, but like, it didn't, I felt like my job, I had nothing to lose and my job was to be honest. Got it. And he really, 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 really like appreciated it. He's like, wow, this guy's not even kissing my ass and he's this young. So like we rocked. And that went incredibly well. He was so happy. We ended up staying close. And um, the, the thing that like really like took it over the top was, so in 2007, there was that mass shooting at Virginia Tech. And yep. like uh, this one guy killed like a bunch of students. And uh, Dave Matthews Band was doing a big tribute concert on campus. And Phil Vesser, John Mayer, and Dave Matthews were performing. They wanted a, a rapper. And I had known the organizer from booking shows. And I pitched, I said, yo, I think Nas would be amazing for this. Obviously, Dave Matthews' band flipped out like, absolutely, we need Nas to be here. So we set it up. And I, um, I told Nas, and I was like, I have to do this, of course. So like, you know, he's taking the tour bus from Atlanta all the way to VA. And we're like, cool. And um, uh, um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Bill O'Reilly for a week straight goes on this tangent about how Nas is, incites violence. He's a killer. And all he talks about is kill, 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 murder, 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 murder. Like he's nothing but violence. And, and I'm sitting there like, my God, is this like what? Like, I'm like, he's like the complete opposite of that. Right, like, right. He's very thoughtful. <laughs> with his I'm like getting upset and and Nas you know I'm gonna be real like he was discouraged by it he was on some like nah I'm good man I don't need I don't need these problems in my life and I just went at him like you will be setting black people back a hundred years if you let them win how could you I'm screaming I'm like how could you and he's finally like fine fine whatever I'll do it and like get on the bus we go to Virginia 
and we go into the the big tent where like our dressing room was and it was really nice and stuff and Nas had on these fire sunglasses and he does his meet and greet with all these students and one girl her boyfriend got killed in the shooting and oh, she wow. was like you're my boyfriend's favorite rapper I can't believe you're here thank you for not letting uh Bill O'Reilly win and I mean Nas was like choking like he was like he pulled me to the side he goes like yo thank god I wore these glasses out they would have saw me crying like he he was so choked up by it he goes on stage the crowd is like going nuts because they like really were like yo is Bill O'Reilly gonna make Nas not come people thought he wasn't gonna show up and after that day he looked at me like all right, little nigga, you, you, you got it. Because <laughs> I sat there and was like, no, we're doing this. Like, and I'm like, tw- at the time I'm 21 and I'm like, wow. roll my sleeves up, ready to fight him. Like, nah, we doing this. Wow. Let me ask you, you ever felt like the responsibility, maybe the burden, maybe the pressure of like managing a hip hop legend. I mean, one of the, if there's a Mount Rushmore, I don't care where you're from. Nas is on that Mount Rushmore. You know what I'm saying? Like for sure. Anyone like you can't have a conversation with me about music. If Nas isn't on your Mount Rushmore, you ever felt maybe at the beginning, maybe even now you ever, did you ever feel that burden of like, fuck, like I'm, I'm really helping guide this career. You know what? The reason why that never bothered me or scared me and Nas will tell you this himself, I'm very confident in decisions, big ones, small ones. Like we've gone through some ups and downs and trials and tribulations. And I've always been the one that kept, you know, my my head cool in it. And, and I'm gonna get a little personal here, but like the reason why, like, I think I've been so good at dealing with clients in like really stressful situations. And, 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 and many people in the music business will tell you that they can't believe the job that I have at times because of the artists that I have and the things that a lot of them go through and whatnot. But like when I was in eighth grade, my dad and brother passed away in a plane crash. And oh wow. Yeah. And um, and so there was this moment, like, first of all, the number one lesson I learned at that point was that death wasn't personal. Like there isn't like death doesn't happen to teach you a lesson. That's selfish. You mean to tell me that God is willing to sacrifice lives just for you to learn something, that means that you clearly think you're better than others, which is not the case. And when I figured that part out, that things like like death wasn't personal, it it opened me up to understanding the way others think, the way they, like how much life experience matters into decision-making and all these different variables that go into how you handle things. And quite honestly, like I felt rock bottom. I tasted it, I tasted it, I smelled it, I felt it, I heard it, every sense of it. Every one of my five senses interacted with the bottom. And after that, I said to myself, somebody don't got a gun in my head? What's gonna, what's, what can be worse than what I have already experienced? And that has, um, and um, that has caused me to, have I'm you know very I'm a very optimistic person but at the same time I'm also pretty fearless and that comes back to just my life experience and when you've and when you felt that moment it puts into perspective the things you deal with and I'm able to be super objective 
and, um, and thoughtful with my words because in a lot of ways I've been there. And, um, and like, like, you know, like serious, real shit. I, I'm 13 years old and I thought like, I really thought to myself like, yeah, like maybe I should just die. Like, why should I live anymore? You know what I mean? Like, and to, 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 to come out of that funk at that age took a lot. And I think it shaped my life in a lot of ways. And I think it, in a lot of ways made me, you know, how I am. I'm able to empathize with people and be there for folks in different ways because I, I understand. Um, but yeah, I have, man, it, just it, honest, it, honest to God it, truth. Man, it's so interesting you say that, Ant, because, <clears throat> you know, uh, I had a moment like two years ago where like someone on my team, we had a really big meeting, like a really big meeting with like, a blue chip brand like think like you know there's, there's the coca-colas the nikes the mcdonald like like that level of brand and, and someone on my team tells me man like are you nervous about this presentation you know like like the ceo is going to be in and the cmo and all these things and i'm like I'm not nervous i'm excited it's a big opportunity you know what i'm saying it's it's multi-million dollar deal so it's, i understand the magnitude of it but i've not had heat you know and at the crib you know, me and my mm -hmm. sister slept with our winter jackets on. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I've, my mom has hit me and it wasn't until later. My mom was like, you know what? I'm not really hungry, baby. You take my food. We haven't had enough for all of us. That's pressure. You know, so, so when you go through that and I'm in, I'm in seventh and eighth grade when this is happening, when you go through that, all the shit we're talking about, that's not life and death. That's not, am I, am I going to eat tonight? That's not, do I have a bed to sleep in? That's not, do I have heat? All this becomes, it's, it allows us to keep it in perspective. It's still important, but it allows us to keep it in perspective. And I think that shit builds character. Uh, you know, I truly believe that's why you're great at what you do because you've gone through those experiences. Yo, another thing too, like, and I, and I don't like fault my family in any way, but like when that first happened, like there were people in my family that thought I was going to end up being a street dude. Like, mm. and they were like, oh man, his dad and my dad and I were very close. My dad was a jack of all trades. If you needed to cook, if you needed to clean, if you needed to help me with homework, take me to school, blah, 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 all those things. He was that like involved and people thought like, because of his absence that I would like go astray. And in a lot of ways, you know, I kind of like, it was like that Michael Jordan meme. And I took that personally. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and I took that personally. Like, <laughs> hold on, like, I'm still me. Like, I'm still the kid that when I walk in the room, everybody's hanging like, oh my God, like, I'm still that guy. Like, I've been the same per, like, I've been the same person that whole time. And I'm like, you know what? Cool, you know, you don't mean any harm. You're concerned. Yeah. But I'm going to show you, you have no reason to be concerned. Yeah, it's funny. Aunt, you'll appreciate this. When, when we announced the Spring Hill Co., I had a family member, I'll say it, I had my cousin. He texted me, he's like, man, I'm so, I'm so fucking proud of you and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, thanks, cuz, you know, I appreciate it. And he was like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. He's like, with your childhood, you know, your dad going away and all these things, he's like, you were supposed to be knocking off banks. <laughs> yeah. And it's I was crazy. like, oh, okay, okay, I, I guess it's a compliment. Like, I'll take it, thanks, you know, like, but I truly believe it. Look, no one wants to like go through shit when you're growing up, but I do believe, I do believe in not using it as a crutch and I do believe it does build character. I've seen it from my business partners to my friends to people I've done business with. It's like the people that are the most resilient are people that have actually been through real life shit, you know, yeah. it's helped shape them. 
I think the key, I always tell my artists this, and I always tell my friends this, the key to it is you got it. You always got to remember you ain't the first person going through it. You ain't going to be the last person going through it. Mm. That's mm. going to be the story of the world forever. So like when you think life sucks, just know life sucks way worse for somebody else. <laughs> like, right. like right. And, and, and that always kind of like, and the other thing too is I never go to bed mad because when I wake up in the morning, it's a fresh start, brand new day. I'm ready to kill it. Like I don't wake up like in a bad mood or like, oh, what's going on? What is this? Or that's mm-hmm. never been my style. Like, it's like I, when I go to bed, like I make sure I wind down in a way where like I let go of everything that I may have felt. And like, you know, it's funny. I, um, I learned this um, from Sylvia Rohn, actually, the legendary um, music executive. Yeah, absolutely. She's the legend. chairman and CEO of Epic Records. Obviously she ran Elektra, Motown. And, uh, you know, one of the most successful executives, black executives, female executives, all of them, period. For sure, not debatable. She taught me something and not necessarily by her word choice, but like by our, by the way we work together. She taught me a lot of valuable lessons about working with other people who are in powerful positions. And which is like, her and I have clearly our, um, our wants are aligned, our goals are aligned. Uh, you know, we have future at Epic and you know, her and I want the same thing. We want success, we want them to look good, we want, all, we want to check all the boxes. When you are in the trenches trying to achieve your goal or get to what you get, want to get to, there are going to be moments in the heat of the battle where things happen, where you argue, where you fight, where you disagree. But she would always just next day be like, hey, babe, what's going on? What are we doing today? <laughs> like it never happened. And I'd be like, man, like, what is, like, I would be like, does she just like, like, just like forget or, or just never forget? Like, which one is it? And like, one day we had an open conversation and she's just like, listen, like, you want what I want? I want what you want? Like, yeah, things happen, but like, we're just going to keep it like, it's bigger than us. We're going to disagree, but that doesn't mean that like, and she, and she, and that was a good lesson. So now like, that's another thing of me. When I wake up the next day, I had a fight with you. Like, obviously I'm talking about like disagreements, not like malicious. Yeah, of course, of course, like of course. Like we had a problem. Then the next day I'm like, you know what? Fresh start. And cause we want the same shit. We're trying to go to the same place and we're actually trying to do it together. So mm-hmm. that's helped me out a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, no, that, that's dope. It's like, I always tell everyone, I'm like, man, there's so much value in just like, there's so much to learn. There's so much value in being around people that have done it right, that have, that have done it, that have, that have done it in different places, you know, that you may view, you know, you may view historically as like someone that's across the table from you and you may be negotiating against and this and that, but there's so much to learn from these types of people that have done it and been through the wars. And if you're just open to having those conversations and learning and not feeling like you know everything, man, that's better than any MBA, better than any, you know, four-year school, better than anything. I gotta tell you, I had, I had a moment it was half, it was half embarrassing, a hundred percent dope. So you'll appreciate this. So recently we were in um we were in Mexico for we were in Cabo for Mav's birthday. Right. Yeah. And everyone went and took it wasn't a birthday party, it was literally like eight people, and everyone went and got COVID tested and all these things. And there wasn't a party, we just spent time together, right? We were just like, hey, let's just go chill. So one of the days we decide, I've never played golf 
but I've been to a driving range. I'll get out there and hack away and do whatever. And one of my friends, Danny Silman, who you may know, is like, yo, we're going to go play golf tomorrow. Just come with us and you can hit some holes and, you know, we'll play some music and drink and whatever. I'm like, cool, let's do it. So that morning, what was told to me before is me, Danny Silman, Draymond Green, the Golden State Warriors, you know well, and Steve Stout. So they tell me there's going to be music like on the golf carts. I've never been on a golf course. So I'm like, bet. I go the night before I put together a dope playlist, a three-hour playlist. We go, we, we go to the driving, we go to the um, golf course. We're in the driving range, like just warming up, you know, hacking away, whatever, whatever. And Stout goes, yo, Esco's going to pull up. I knew he was, I knew he was in Cabo. But I hadn't seen him yet. You know what I'm saying? We're like staying at this big resort. He's like, Esco's going to pull up. I'm like, all right, dope, whatever. It never occurs to me that out of the three-hour playlist I put together, two hours and 35 minutes of them are probably Nas songs. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we go, Nas joins us. Love, you know, Nas is like a great human being. Like, yes, you know, he's he the best. Be, he might be a greater human human being than he is a rapper. And yes. He's greatest rappers all the time. So think about that, you know, like. So it's all love, yo, whatever, whatever. We met each other before, seen each other, whatever. We get on the golf carts, the music's blasting. And it's like, it's Esco, Rose, Hove. It's all the shit we listen to, you know, whatever, whatever. And I, it, it hits me after like the seventh Nas song. I'm like, yo, I said, Esco, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know you were going to be here. So if it makes you uncomfortable, because <laughs> I know some artists don't like to hear their own shit. Well, he, he actually doesn't. Like, Here's the funny thing. I'm so glad you said that. I said, Esco, if, if it makes you a little uncomfortable. I can change it. It's no big deal. I can put something else on. And he goes, I'm going to be honest. I normally hate it. He goes, but you're creating a vibe with this playlist. I'm fucking with it. And I was like, okay, Esco said I'm creating a vibe. Okay. Like, and what became yeah. super dope is though, and you'll appreciate this, the rest of the day, we were on the course probably two and a half hours. He would hear a song. He's like, yo, I haven't heard this song in 15 years. And he would tell us a story. Yo, you didn't know this was the Source Awards, and I had to disconnect before, and that's why if you saw it, I was wearing this because I was doing that, and Draymond and I are like, yeah. like fans, kids, and then Stout's there, and he's adding like people didn't even realize he said this, and, and it was like it was you know you and I have been fortunate enough to to have the careers we've had and 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 work with the athletes we've had and be at the events we've been at and all these things. It's a top five moment to me where it was just able to just see, it's almost like seeing Picasso paint live. Yeah. It was yeah. so oh, dope man. to be talking about the music and, and like, oh, and, 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 not, and now you get comfortable because the tequila's flowing and all this. And it's like, that's good. When you said this, I thought you were talking about that person. He's like, no, 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 no. I was saying this because of that. And I'm like, holy shit, what a dope moment, man. Like, yeah, he's just he, such a genuine soul, man. Yeah, nah, he's great, man. And like, and like, um, the thing about the thing about, and what you said is right. I mean, honestly, I need to probably tweet that. Nas really is like a better human being than he is an artist. I and 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 he's one of the greatest artists ever. So like, mm -hmm. like that just shows like where his head's at. Yeah, he, you know, Nas is just he's a humble guy. He has you know he has humility. Um, he knows what he doesn't know. Willing to listen very coachable. And um, I'm fortunate because I, listen, I'm gonna tell it to you like this. You see, it happens a lot with athletes too, where it, yes, it matters how talented you are, but it also matters 
what organization drafts you, what coaching staff coaches you, all those things, right? Like, that's why you see certain artists become stars when they leave a team and, and, and all that stuff. And I think I was able to blossom into who I am as an executive and entrepreneur because I specifically landed in Nas's lap. I needed someone like Nas, someone who didn't push me to be like Nas didn't want me to go kill everybody. He wanted me to play fair. He wanted me to represent myself properly. He thought the, 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 uh, all of the, the morals and values you learn growing up from your, from your family and stuff, that's the way you should, that's how you should, you should incorporate that into how you do business. And he mm. taught me those things. And it was like, never sell your soul, never do this. Like, you know, he, like the, the 10 commandments of how I operate were co-written by Nas and like my family members and like he's part of that you know and wow. and if I didn't have that experience I don't know if I would have become me you know and mm. I think it took someone like Nas to to give me the extra conviction I needed that you could build a great career in life and be very successful without like having to fucking kill everybody you know mm-hmm. like you know, mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I will always be thankful to him for that. That's a perfect segue. I have two more things I want to ask you before I let you get out of here. It's like one of those is like one, one of the things I've, I've, I've never told you this, you know, one of the things I, I, res, I respect about you like most and, and listen, your work speaks for itself. Just all the things you fucking have an Emmy, which we'll talk about that off the show. I didn't even know you had. And that mean for something you've done and, and, you know, like you, you clearly have a, a, a million wins, you know, in your still young career. I've always respected this about you and future the Prince. I put you guys in this, in a, in a similar bucket and how you guys conduct yourselves. You aren't the managers that want to be all up in the video. Yeah. You know what I'm saying you aren't the managers that are like, you know, if you could talk about that a little bit, it's like, if, if I don't know you, I don't even know you manage talent. Like, like that's not your thing. Like you, 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 you are happy with your, with your clients getting all the credit. You are happy with your clients being the focus. You've never been the, like the me guy. And Hey, I was responsible for that. I don't know if you know, I did that. Like, where's that? Like, like, is that a, is that a, a conscious decision? I'm going to tell you what happened. I'll never forget it. And credits to Steve Stout again. Um, Nas's 35th birthday party. It may have actually been 37 or 38, whatever it now, was. Now it's a bit fair if you went with 35. So we'll say thir- yeah. it was just 35. It was, it was the day Catch opened in New York. Nas, Nas's birthday was the grand opening of Catch. Okay. And, and like Common and Stout and Jay-Z and all these guys, uh, like Maxwell's there, Zoe Saldana. Like it's like a really hot night and like, I'm probably, I don't know, 24, 25. It's still like fucking amazing, the life I have. <laughs> and and um, we're talking about the time that uh, Gabe and Nas went to Hawaii to help uh, Kanye with um, uh, with dark, My Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And they end up beating Kanye and Common like a five on five basketball game. Nas and they, they end up killing them twice. And like Nas, who's like not the greatest basketball player in the world, like Common and Kanye are way better than him. And like, but he somehow was like knocking down game winners, all of that. 
So Common and them are like, yo, please don't tell anyone this ever happened. Like this stays in Hawaii. So they're talking about the story at dinner and I'm laughing my ass off, right? Loving the story. And in a lot of ways, I'm like excited to be there. Stout grabs me by the back of my neck. Hey, little nigga, you laughing too much. You having too much fun, tone it down. And I was like, I was so mad. I was like, I'm gonna kill him. I, I, I was like, Nas, I hate Steve Stout. Like, it was like, like mean parent or like teacher, like principal or something. But the next day I was like, yo, he's fucking right. Like, this is not, I don't need to be in the convo. I can have fun and enjoy it and be cool. And, and I, 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 from that day forward, I just was super co- conscious of it. And, and uh, the other thing that I did, which was super important, was I kept a lot of people that I came up with around me. Like Gabe, who uh, manages Nas with me. Gabe's been my best friend since I was 15 years old. Been in the streets together. We done been shot at together. We done been banged on together. We done been held, ca- held, held captive in Africa together. <laughs> like we just got been through hell and back. So it's like, in a weird way, like guys like that, like they're your moral compass. Like mm-hmm. you can see yourself being different through their eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and stuff like that kind of like reminded me of my purpose. And in a lot of ways, man, it's like, it allows you to do your job easier. Like, I don't need security. Ain't nobody checking for me. You know what I mean? Like, I can go out pretty freely, not have to worry about much every once in a while. You know, somebody run up on me and try to freestyle or some shit. But like, that's that's few and far between. You know what I mean? Like, and um, to be honest, like being the way I am contributes to my quality of life in a positive way. Like, mm. I wouldn't change it for anything. I don't care what anyone says. And Future the Prince, you know, he just copies everything I do. So, um. Future, you know, it's, it's really interesting, man. Like guys like him, you know, he's one of my, like he's not even a music business friend. He's like, because yeah, um, yeah. I understand Toronto culture so much. So him and I always just would, would like just like vibe off of like things that like like I remember growing up when I used to be in Toronto every summer or like like shit like that and like we just built like a real bond and you know OVO guys specifically man like they don't let nobody in mm-hmm. if you don't have a Canadian passport you're not allowed in the room you know what I'm saying like and like um I think just the way they move just there's a lot of similarities a lot of cultural similarities. My my mother's uh, Ethiopian. So like, I think there's like a lot of cultural similarities to how it goes down, what things that happen in Toronto. And I just, just understand it. And like, we always bonded over that. And, um, and it just happens to be that we're both kind of similar in that way too. So that's, that's funny, man. No, I see, I'm telling you, I see it. I see it. Like, you know, having spent time with him and spent time with you, I'm like, no, they're the same souls. It's like, they want to do great work. They will, they will fucking die on the hill for their clients and things they believe in and, and, and maybe even take an L if, it's, if, if the moral thing to do is to make this decision, even if it's contrary to the bag potential. Like you guys, like ethically and morally, you guys are just as solid as they come and you don't want any of the credit for it. You're like, yeah, I just want to do my job, man. Yeah, my just, guy or my girl's good, I'm good. Yeah, just make sure the wire hit and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> last thing before we get out of here, man, it's like, you know, I'm sure your DMs be crazy and Twitter and all these things. It's like, there is, I'm sure, a 18, 19, 21-year-old kid listening to this show right now. And they're like, man, I want to get in the game, man. I want to manage talent. Or my boy can rap. Or I want whatever the case may be. You've seen it all. You manage a legend. You manage younger talent. I know you have, you know, Gunner and Future. And you have other, other talent you manage. And you're into so many things. And you work with brands. What advice can you give someone trying to get into the game? So this is something that I always tell uh, other managers. Um, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not have control over your artists. It's okay that your artist isn't giving you the response you need to look good to the person who's asking you. We all go through it, all of us. There are times where me, who everyone considers a big dog, like there are times where I can't move my artist. There are times where they won't listen to me. There are times where, and that's okay. We all deal with it. And I think the root of bad working habits stem from us being almost embarrassed to be cl come clean and be like, yo, they said they don't want to do that shit. Like, it's okay. Sometimes artists don't want to do that shit. You know what's worse? Committing than not committing. You know what's worse? Stringing someone along because you're too afraid to tell them the truth. You know, you know, it's worth not calling them back and ignoring them for months on a simple yes or no answer. Deal with your shit head on. We all deal with it, all of us. We all deal with the same problems. Just get, suck it up and go through it. That's the way you want to be a big boy or a big girl. You want to be a grown up. You got to handle things that way. That's the number one thing I tell people. Yo, when, my, when people call me, like, this is why I love Future the Prince so much. When we talk to each other, it's raw, like, no, yes. Okay, cool, nah, that doesn't make sense. It's super, no, you know how, how easy that makes my life? <laughs> yeah, I say I love a quick no. I love me a quick no. Love. That's, that's amazing, that's a great day, a quick no. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I, when I begged you to be on this podcast, I was <laughs> waiting for the quick no. But somehow, like, I got the yes. <laughs> so wait, hold on, PR, PR, time out. Before we go. Before we go, what what we what we thinking in the NBA Finals, man? I need to hear your predictions. Well, we we know who's coming out the West. That's like, do we got to talk about the West or not? No, we know who's coming no. out the West. I know you. I know what you really want is you want my opinion on Brooklyn. That's what you really want. You really want. You really want. No, no, no. I want them to make it to the finals Ooh. so bad. Ooh. So bad. So bad. I I think as it relates to them, and this is like, I'm, as I'm sure you, you and I have, have sent each other tweets and it's been a great week in terms of like the world of basketball and all those things. I told people, it, this is not anything negative on Kyrie, Harden, or KD. <clears throat> as crazy as they may sound, offensively, they may be three of the top five offensive players in the NBA. They're that special. I don't know how that translates to wins and I don't know how that translates to winning it all. If you're asking me, I don't think it works. And, and to be fair, I don't think a team with five Michael Jordans would have worked as great as Mike was. It just doesn't work. It's called a team for a reason. And, you know, I'm a huge boxing fan. You know, my dad always taught me like styles make fights, <clears throat> you know, I just don't see a world the way those guys play that it's going to work for them 
at least right away. Just my opinion. And by the way, I love KD. I think he's I think he's as gifted as they come. He's a creative player. He's seven foot two guard that can handle. You know, Kyrie is as skilled as they come in the NBA. Handles ridiculous. Can shoot it. Can finish around the rim. It's it, he's incredible. Harden's an MVP and all these things. I just don't know how the three of them work. You know. So this is my point of view, and it, it goes back to like the Lakers and um, and specifically the King, which is like there's a sense of professionalism, unison, team camaraderie, all of those things that come with the LeBron James led team. And my, the way it looked on the court now, like, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, you know, I keep in touch with everybody and, but I don't, but the way it looked on the court, which is everybody came to the bubble to do a job, which was we came Thanks. here to win a championship. We ain't come here, hang out, lollygag. We'll figure out some fun things here and there. But you saw on the court that out of every team that made it to the bubble, that was in the bubble, the Lakers looked like they were there for one reason and they get the fuck home right after that. Business. And I think in a season like this, having that will be the X factor no matter who they come across. And just knowing that, like, you can see so far, we haven't, you know, God willing, we haven't had any issues yet. Blah blah, because mm-hmm. you could tell they are on a mission, and nothing else matters. We're not, you know, we're not sitting here trying to figure out how to save the world. We're not dealing with trade rumors. We're not right. dealing with like right. every. It's about coming there, doing our job, and going home. And right. and it seems like the whole team is bought in around yep. the King's legacy, and yep. and you just. You gotta come real correct to break that. I mean, you gotta be you gotta be one of the greatest teams of all time to break that. You know, so, you know what was super crazy? Kev Love told me one time, <clears throat> he said that when he got to Cleveland, you know, you show up to preach. He said it doesn't have to, and nothing has to be said. The coaches don't gotta say anything, anyone. He goes, a team with LeBron James, he sets the tone in the culture. He goes, meaning if practice is scheduled for 10 o'clock. You show up at 9.30 thinking you're early. LeBron's in a full drench, sweat, looking at you like you're crazy. Like, fam, I, I've, been here, I've been here two hours. Like, you getting here half hour before practice ain't going to cut it. It creates, and I've said this, there are greats that have that gene. In business, too, Jimmy Iveen was like that when I worked yeah. at Beach by Dre. Uncle Phil Knight was like that, you know, when I worked at, like, I look at Phil Knight, the, 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 the handful of meetings I was fortunate enough to even just be a fly on the wall on, you know? And I'm like, this guy's 70 years old, worth $25 billion. He doesn't even need to be here, but he's showing up. He's early in the meeting. He's attentive. He's asking questions. He's prepared. Well, that's a different gene. So, so let's talk about the flip side of that. LeBron's a good case for this. I've sat courtside at like literally over a hundred games in my life. LeBron James is the only athlete the only basketball player ever, and I like know them all, to ever come to me and show me love while I'm sitting down in my seat. Well, actually, you were at one of the games when he did. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, for sure. Every time he sees me at the game, he like no, like he's like he knows how to make people feel fucking good. Like, for dude, sure. I felt like the I, I was like, holy shit, like, and that's the homie. We talk like it's all good, yep. like, yep. but like I know Kobe, I knew Kobe like. 
he looked at me like he didn't even know who I was when he was playing. <laughs> He's like, I, all I care about is what's in front of me. I knew like Melo and Chris Paul yep. and all like they're all great, like amazing human beings. Yep. But when I saw, like when they saw me on the court, it was like they didn't know I existed. Like, and like, I just is like, I'm like, wow, like that made me want to, like, I was like, I can't even imagine being this guy's teammate. He shouts out people on their birthdays. He yep. like, anytime they have a dunk, he's showing love to other players on other teams. Yep. I mean, dude, when you give that much of yourself to the game, you are going to get people who want to come kill for you. Yep. And like, yo, dude, like that's real leadership, man. It, it's and just, by the way, Ed, that's that. And you know that you actually know Bron, like on a yeah. personal level and, and he genuinely fucks with you. It's like, I'll tell you a story before we get out of here. It's like, he was playing Cleveland. I was in Cleveland on business. I had um, a meeting with the Cavs on a Friday. They had a game on Friday night. Um, I went to the game and they were playing like a Sunday noon game as well. So I said, you know what? I'll stay in Cleveland for the weekend. I'll attend to business, go to the game Friday night, um, and then go to the game Sunday noon and then leave. So I'll catch two games in a 48-hour period or whatever. I don't even tell him I'm going to the game. He sees me on the floor during the game and he's like, yo, whatever. He comes up after the game. He's like, yo, let's do dinner after, whatever, whatever. So, all right, cool. Grab a bite. We go to Red, which is kind of the only place you can go to in Cleveland. Um, and I'm staying at the Nine, the hotel in Cleveland. I wake up Saturday morning. He's already texted me and he says, yo, come over the crib and get a home cooked meal. Hotel food sucks. This is a man that is about to play KD in 24 hours, just played a game 12 hours ago. He's LeBron James. He's got plenty of shit to tend to. And he's worried about that his man is getting a good meal. And, and, and like I said about Esco, I say this about Bron and I wholeheartedly. It's the same shit. It's the same he's shit. A, he, he's a much better friend than he is a basketball player. And he's like literally the greatest. <laughs> and he, and he might be the greatest to ever play the game. <laughs> And, and you and I are doing something right if that's our circle. If we're around people that are just good people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. In the early years, um, in, in, in the early part of the decade when Brian was on Miami and stuff like that, and obviously they always show love and it was like always love. But, you know, as like a diehard Laker Kobe fan, you know, it was like injected in me that like, you either got to like Kobe or like- Yeah, pick sides, homie, pick sides. Gotta pick sides, yeah. right? <laughs> and then I remember being like, team Kobe, team Kobe, team Kobe. And I um, I uh, went to, um, I went to um, the series that they lost to the Cavs when the Cavs won their first championship. Yep. And I mean, when the uh, Warriors won their first championship. Yep, yep, yep. I went to that game and sat, like, sat at the game that they like got like, like put out. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. And when he came back and won the next season, I was so blown away by the game. I remember texting Steve Stout and I go, he's the best player I've ever seen in my life. I give in. I'm, 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 I'm tired of like being the guy who just likes him, but has to like not like his game because I'm a Kobe fan. Like I can't do that anymore. He's too incredible. Like I Man. give in. After that day, I was like, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like, I can't, like, it's like, he, like, you can't, there's nothing more you can do. You know what I mean? Like, um, He's wired. And, and like I said, you, you've been around, you're around greatness every day and, and Nas and, 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 you know, and business people, you know, and it's just, 
it, it, he's he's just wired so differently where it's all he was telling me he was telling us a story one day it's like me Mav and Rich and Randy and he's like yeah you know and then and Bryce came by I think it was Bryce or Bronny he's like and he had this bag of Doritos and I was like get out of here because I can't have any of those and he keeps telling a story and it's like a deep story and all I could all I keep thinking to myself is like you couldn't have one Dorito <laughs> like like you you couldn't have one Dorito so I was like what do you mean he's like no 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 like the level of discipline like one summer he goes and he goes on a paleo diet and i'm like what weight are you, you look like you're photoshopped you look like a superhero yeah. like what weight are you gonna lose and he's like it's just about challenging myself mentally those guys yeah. are wired differently yeah matt mav told me once that you know guys are either process driven people or outcome driven people and LeBron is very much about the process. That's why mm. he can win a championship in the bubble and in two months be like, all right, guys, got to do it again. I don't like yeah. it didn't even happen. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, what are you talking about championship? We didn't win one. We got to win it yeah. again. Like, yeah, and that's the and that's the lesson, right? If you think of Esco, if you think of Nas, it's like Nas made plenty of money. Yeah, there's no need for him to be doing. You know, talk about moving an artist. There's no need for him to do. He doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, it's right? the process so, of doing it that makes yes. him want to do it. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Man, listen, man. I I know you're super busy. You got a million things going on. I I appreciate this, but hey, for the record, he didn't have to beg me to do anything. He's lying. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Before we get, go, go um, I have to say one thing. Uh, um, Raven's podcast that you did with her was the best podcast that. Ah, you she's gonna love to hear that. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm president of a fan club. I'm president of Raven's fan club. You know she's out west. She's on your side. Yeah, she be coming through. That's my dog. That's like my. She's look. the best. Yeah, I put her on her first real tour, the Purple Rain tour. Oh, yeah. word. Yeah. She's the best. Oh, that's right. That's right. I didn't even put the. I didn't even connect the dots. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously like a, like a. a you know, a different level now, but like back yeah, yeah, then. Yeah. Nah, she's, she, she's she's a young, one, young she... megapixel. We used to call it young <laughs> megapixel. A <laughs> boy really made that up. It's so funny. Oh, Anyhow, yo, thank you so much, man. It was a good time talking. Of course, and I appreciate you. I look forward to um when we can have an actual in-person conversation and just kick it like we always yeah, do. Yeah, appreciate man. you. Keep kicking ass out there. I'll see you. Uh, if I don't see you in the finals, I'll see you at the parade. Perfect. <laughs> Appreciate you, Ant. Bye, bro. Have fun. Peace.